Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. You know, the Bible says, like, the truth will set you free, right? Sometimes we actually don't want to square up to the truth. Because the truth, sometimes the lies that keep us stuck are a lot more comfortable than the truth that set us free. And so this is something that I am not trying to offend you. Please know this is coming from a place of love. It's coming from God's word. And tonight I want to get into some stuff that I think has the power to really lead us deeper into what God has for us. So um, real quick, let's just start with this. Let's put that verse up. I'm going to read it. We'll pray and we'll get into it. So can we put up the one from Colossians? So Colossians, starting in verse 19, it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, speaking of Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and you do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have uh, that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. I don't think that was the translation, though, that I asked for initially. So this is another way that it said in the NLT. Um, I like the way it ends here. So it says, it says this, uh, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And now it says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So let's just pray real quick. Jesus, this little time we have left in this meeting tonight, let your words hit our hearts. I give you this time, Lord. Speak here. We're listening. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here is the opening question. Raise your hand if you've ever done something bad in your life. Okay. So everybody in this room has done something that you, in your heart, in your conscience, you violated it. You know you've done something wrong, bad, evil. All of us in this room can raise our hands and own that. But the question that comes with that, though, is why? Why have you done bad things in your life? How you answer that question says a lot about how you see yourself, the world, God, and I think how you answer that question actually is one of the most important things that determines where you end up going with God. 
you know, our culture, this is, I guess, in Gen Z, the way that we kind of deal with the problem of evil. Like, evil, bad things is a result of traumatic experiences that we've had and oppression, right? It's like we were born into this crazy culture, this crazy society, and so we have issues. We have mental health issues. We act out and do wild things and bug out because of what we've been through, whether in our families, in the culture. It's, I was talking to somebody the other day. I think I told this actually a while ago, but I was getting a haircut once, and the girl was like kind of pulling my hair back, and I was getting a little self-conscious because I knew she could see my hairline was dipping a little, and I was just like, yeah, no, that thing's going and she was like, yeah, it should be going. When you think of global warming, the patriarchy, and she just starts like going off. And I'm just like, okay. But what she was saying was, if your hairline isn't receding, something's wrong with you. If you're okay in the middle of all of this craziness, something is wrong with you. It's like, I think of when I was uh, in middle school. You ever have those memories that of like something somebody said to you once and you're just going to take it to the grave? Like, I remember I was probably like 12, and this about eight-year-old kid came up to me with a couple of his friends, and I'm just like sitting there minding my business, and he looks at me, and he goes, yo, and I look over, and he's like, your head is so big, we could have the Boston Tea Party on the side of it, (laughs) and I just sat there like... (laughs) Like, it didn't even make sense, but he cooked me. (laughs) Like, that was a wild roast. And so, you know, I could internalize that traumatic moment, and now I have a temper ever since that kid said that thing to me, you know? That, okay, so that being said, I don't want to belittle the reality of there are people in this room who have experienced very real, all of us in this room have gone through stuff. Some of us in this room have gone through, like, stuff, right? And so I don't want to minimize that. I don't want to be insensitive to the realities of what we've been through, the painful experiences that we've had in life. But I think that how we frame this issue, again, the truth sets you free. So I talk to a lot of people. I'm kind of like a a baby pastor, and so I meet with people constantly, and I'm constantly just trying to encourage people and talk through. and, And people come in, and they're stuck, and it's always like, so what do you think your real problem is? I can't tell you how many times I hear. Um, My issue is, you know, I just haven't really, I don't really love myself enough. I don't really forgive myself the way that I need to. And it's interesting because that language has completely soaked into all of our conversations. That is language that, I mean, a lot of us here are in therapy. There's nothing wrong. Like being able to talk with people about the battles that you're facing and the ways that you have endured real things that you've been bottling in and you have nobody to talk to. Like, there's real value in that. But a lot of us in therapy or in the conversations that we have with people just out in the world, we are actually misdiagnosing the issues of our heart. A lot of therapy is not purely scientific. There is, like, kind of religious belief built into it. And tell me if anybody is familiar with what I'm about to say. When you go to therapy or you just talk to most people and you're getting advice from people in our culture, this is the framework that we all operate from. It's, you are essentially a good person. You've been through trauma, you've had crazy things happen to you, and so the reason why you've, you feel shame because you've done certain bad things, 
the way that you deal with that shame is when you learn that the bad things that you've done is attached to the trauma that you've had imposed on you. And so the only way you're going to be able to move forward and live a happy, content, good life is by owning that what you did wasn't really you. It was the trauma in you. And if you can separate that, then you can learn to now forgive yourself, love yourself, and move forward. And then there's the hope of you living this whole good life. It's discovering your inner goodness. That sounds familiar, right? Well, that is a narrative that a lot of us have been given. But what I want to challenge you with tonight is that in many ways is the opposite of the narrative we've been given from God himself. What God says is this. Yes, there have been real things that you have had to endure in life, ways that people have sinned against you, horrible atrocities. And that's not something God takes lightly. Like he's not looking at that and saying, that doesn't matter. No, God burns in anger out of his love for you against the things that have been done against you that's sinful. So it's not something that God doesn't care about. But this is what God says to you and to me tonight. Let's say you healed completely from all of the trauma that you've ever experienced and you're a whole healthy person. You peel all of that stuff back and there's still this selfish desire to be God in your heart and in my heart. There's evil. You peel back all of the things, all of the pain, let's say you heal it all. A lot of us have this thing where it's like, well, if I didn't go through that, then I'd be good. But what God says is, no. Like, sure, the things that you go through, of course, it influences in some way and shapes the way that you respond to life in some way. But even if it didn't happen, your biggest issue would still be the evil that's inside your heart and my heart. So you could hear that and that'd be very offensive. And you could say, who are you to tell me that something that I have done is evil or there's evil inside of my heart. I'm nobody. I'm not here sharing my opinion. I'm trying to point us to what the word of God says. Do you realize if evil means anything, it has to mean it across the board. There's no such thing as like my evil and your evil, my good and your good. If you play by those rules, do you realize the Mayans, me and my wife went to Mexico uh, and we like went to that like, whatever, the pyramid thing and whatever they have there, and they have, like, these, like, stone tablets that they sacrificed thousands of their children on. And guess what? They thought that was a good thing to do. Yes, the Nazis, right? They thought they were cleansing the world and they were doing the world a favor, right? And so here we are in our cultural moment. We look at our lives, and, of course, you may look at your life and say, yeah, like, I've messed up here and there, but evil, like, that's very extreme. Don't, you don't know me, don't call me evil. But the reality is, you and I, in the culture that we live in, it's either evil doesn't exist, or it does, and then where do we find it? It's God who determines it, and we believe God has given us his word, which shows us what's good and what's evil. And when you begin to look in it, there's these crazy verses where it says that the law, the Old Testament, as Jesus comes, he takes it even further. He just comes and holds this mirror against all of these people and says, like, you think you're a good person. You think you're checking certain boxes. Like, you know how many people I talk to where we just think, like, oh, my biggest issue is I just love too hard. 
I'm just too generous. People are just constantly taking advantage of my generosity. And it's like we think that our biggest issue is something, but then we get into the presence of God and this mirror is held up against us and we begin to see, wait, evil is defined by God and what it ultimately is, is me wanting to be God and do my own thing. God is saying, follow me. This is what's right. This is what's good. And in my conscience, I've interacted and I know what God's saying, but I've still said, I'm doing my thing. I'm going my way. And so every person here in this room, the issue that all of us face, yes, we've done bad things, but you judge a tree by its fruit. The fruit of our life points back to a heart that ultimately loves evil more than it loves God. That is the condition all of us are stuck in. It's like you could try to be religious. I've talked to so many people recently. It's like, I'm in a really bad spot. So what do I need to do? I just got to go to church more. I got to pray more. I got to read the Bible more. And it's like, okay, yeah, that all sounds good. But guess what? You're not going to do any of that stuff. What do you mean? It's like, well, have you tried doing that? Yeah. Has it worked yet? No. So what? One of these days you're just going to wake up and finally, I was talking to a friend today and we were laughing about like those things where it's like when you wake up at 3 a.m., there's like a meme and you're just ready to transform your entire life. It's like, that's what a lot of us are hoping for with some of the things we wrestle with and the ways we're stuck. But the reality is that moment doesn't come because the issue isn't what we do. The issue is who we are. The issue is we have a heart that is bent from good towards evil. What's evil? Anything that's outside of who God is and what he's called us to do. We love anything but him. And so... God is holy. The Bible says he's love. In our culture, we're, it's very easy for us to own that and be like, yeah, like God's love. The Bible says God's holy. And what holiness means is he can't be unjust. He has to punish evil. And so think of the position that God is in, looking at you and me, loving us, saying, here I am. Everything you need, I want to give you. Everything your soul needs, I'm going to fill you with. You were made for me, and I want to give myself to you. Just choose me. Come to me. And time and time again, we just say, nope, I'm doing my thing. God, looking at a humanity that is lost, a heart that's bent away from him, driving towards a cliff, him coming and saying, just please come to me, and us just continuing to say, no, we want nothing to do with you. Like a lot of times we can feel entitled to the love of God. But when you start to look at it through that lens, you begin to start realizing, like, like if there actually is a holy God, like, I don't have anything to do with him. I don't deserve him. It's so important that we realize this for the next part to really hit. The Bible says this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does that mean? Jesus didn't look at you and me and say, I really see potential. Like, yeah, they're messing up in a couple different areas, but there's this sliver of goodness that I see and that I'm gonna capitalize on and that's the value that I see that I'm gonna do this grand thing for, right? The Bible literally says, when we wanted nothing to do with him, we wanted everything but him, he still looked at us and said, I choose you. Justice demands punishment, right? Our sin, the evil things that we've done, we deserve to be separated from God and to be punished. But God, 
loving us. Literally, that verse, it says, the fullness of God dwelled in him. God came, put on human flesh, came as a representative for us, lived the perfect life we didn't, and on the cross, he takes the fullness of everything our evil has ever stored up in punishment. He takes it all. Why? Not because we loved him, but because he loves us. Why does he love us? Because he's love. That's the beautiful thing about the love of God today, guys. If the love of God was dependent on us doing good, then yeah, we would lose it in a second. But God's love came and met me, met you, wants to meet you in the middle of you having nothing to give him, wanting nothing to do with him. And he still says in that place, like, I want to make you mine. I want to forgive you and I want to transform you. And so this is what we now have. This is the message of Jesus. This is the gospel that we deserve separation. Jesus deserved perfection, perfect relationship with God. Jesus took what we deserve and he gave us what he deserves. And that verse at the end, can we actually put it, I'll read it from my phone. I like this version better. It said, uh, you were his enemies. He loved his enemies. Why were he his enemies? Because of the evil, us continuing to turn against him and say, we're doing our own thing. It says, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. That word reconciled means did the work so that you could come back into his presence. And it says, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. The issue of our lives was the evil that was in our heart. The evil that was in our heart separated us from God. I couldn't have a relationship with God because I disqualified myself. But then beyond just disqualifying myself, the evil in my heart, I was bent from good towards bad, chasing after things that feel good but destroy me. Jesus came to deal with both of those things. He came, did what he did, and now what this says is you have been made pure and blameless. You've been brought into the presence of God. What this gospel message is, like, yes, first you have to see how serious and real sin is in your life. How it's not just, yeah, well, I go to church and, yeah, I believe in God. None of that means that your sin has been dealt with. The sin, the evil in your heart has separated every single person from God. It's cut us off from the life we were made for. But through Jesus, we are completely forgiven. All of the evil in our heart is washed away. When God looks at you, where before you were his enemy, now he says, you are my child if you've put your faith in me. What we need to realize today, that verse at the end, it says, do not drift from this truth. What I'm saying, I know it sounds basic, but we have to keep this thing front and center in our heart because very easily we can forget what the forgiveness of God means over our life. We could have once really been confident and secure and settled in it, but then life begins to happen. You begin to blow it. Things start going crazy. The Bible says the, the devil, another name for him is the accuser. He starts accusing you of everything that you've ever done, all of the mistakes from your past, even since getting saved, the things that you've done. It's like, you really think God still loves you? Yes. He has proven it on the cross. What it says is, there, there's another verse. We uh have been forever made perfect, those who are being made perfect in Jesus. 
So what that means is if you've put your faith in Jesus, every evil thing that has ever flowed out of your life that separated you from God has been eradicated from your life. When God looks at you, think of it this way. The evil that you've done stored up wrath, justice from God. All of that was taken out on Jesus. And so when God looks at you and me, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you're a child of God today, there is no wrath left in his heart towards you. It is just the love of the Father. That's something you and I can hear, but that needs to become so real in our heart. If we don't understand that, we are going to consistently stay in this place of not, it's like we can't do anything apart from him. We need him. We need to, we can only live through him. But if I'm not confident that I can actually come to him and my sin has actually been forgiven, then I'm going to just stay stuck on my own. And if I'm isolated and cut off from him, then I'm really vulnerable and I'm really going to start blowing this thing up, right? It's like, do you see and are you believing today in what the forgiveness of God is over your life? You don't deserve a single thing from him. You haven't earned a single thing from him. Nothing he's giving you is based off of you. Everything he's giving you is based off of Jesus. So did you mess up this week? Sin doesn't make a child no longer a child. It's not like every time you sin, you go from being a child of God to now being an enemy again. If you've put your faith in Jesus, it's settled. You are his son. You are his daughter. In the middle of whatever sin and struggle that you have, he's not looking at you and saying, wow, you really are still doing this? He's saying, yeah, that is who you are apart from me. Now come to me. I've made a way that you can come into my presence. It's me who transforms you. You don't do anything for me. I do everything for you. The job of a child is to let the parent do the job. And so what we're talking about here today is really what does the cross, the forgiveness of Jesus mean for my life and for your life today? And there's just three things. It's not going to be really long. I'm going to wrap up in a second. But there's three things that I really want to just hone in on that I felt like God put in my heart for this. And so what does the cross mean? The forgiveness of God mean what? And it says, don't drift from this. How do we not drift? What are some areas that we might drift? Um, the first one, I've already talked about it a little bit, but you have to realize, you have to believe. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter what you think or what you feel. You, if you are here and you've put your faith in Jesus, the blood has washed you clean. The Bible says his forgiveness separates your sin as far as the east is from the west. Literally, the polar opposite of where, it's like, that is not what God sees when he sees you anymore. So many people here really still struggle with shame, where it's just like, it's like, yeah, God loves me, but I've done that. I, he has to at least love me like a little bit less than he would have if I didn't do that. It's a lie from the pit of hell. You haven't earned a drop of this love, but it has been poured out over your life. Another thing that I hear so many people say, and I want to come hard at this thing tonight. So many people I talk to say, yeah, I know God has forgiven me, but I'm just like having a really hard time forgiving myself. Can I tell you, nowhere were you ever commanded to forgive yourself. If you could forgive yourself, the only way you could do it 
is by justifying your sin and saying, well, the only reason I did it was because of, I guess, what I went through, so it wasn't really me, or by minimizing the evil of it and minimizing really the price that Jesus had to pay on the cross. If you and I could forgive ourselves, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But you and I need forgiveness. Why? Because we were his enemies, dead in our sin. And there's where he met us in his love and forgave us and filled us with his life. You are who you are today. Whatever is good that is in you, brothers and sisters, believers, it is the life that he's brought in you. It's not who you are apart from him. A lot of us have a hard time forgiving ourselves because we actually underestimate our flesh. We think, I should be better than this. Sometimes I talk to people and they're still struggling with sin after getting saved and it's just like, how many times? I should be better than this by now. If you think that, you don't really get this. That you is going nowhere. That you doesn't get better. It doesn't get fixed. It only dies and gets replaced with his life. And so when you see sin in your life, that you know, so many times I meet with people too and it's like, we can have a really hard time being challenged. It's like if somebody calls us out on anything, it like shakes us. Why? Because I can't bear the thought that I already feel so, you know, exposed in my brokenness. Like in my heart, no matter what I put on for you guys, I know who I really am. I know I'm broken and I'm trying to convince myself that I'm not. I'm trying to put my identity in all of these other things. I'm a really good guy. I'm a funny guy. I'm a nice guy, whatever. And if you challenge me in any way, it goes right to the core of this battle that's going on in my heart. If I need to be a good person or else my life has no value. But what God is looking at, he's saying, whatever you see of your sin, trust me, it goes so much deeper than you even know. And even with that, I still love you with the fullness of eternal love. Like, you are not defined by your sin. You're defined by my love for you. Your value is not in your performance. Your value is in the price that God was willing to pay for your life. And so we have to realize today, if you're struggling with forgiving yourself, it might be because you actually think that you should be better than you actually are. Maybe the way forward is you owning more than ever before how broken and sinful you actually are. And in that place, that's where the love and grace of God becomes more beautiful than you could have ever dreamt. It's like, God, I literally have nothing to give you except my sin. Yeah, and I'll take it, and I'll give you my love. It gets beautiful. So the second thing, a way that we could drift when we're not really seeing this clearly, and I'm already kind of saying it, I'm kind of blending this together, but insecurity, right? Insecurity in our relationships. Like, are you a secure person? What does that mean? Do you have peace? Are you constantly on edge as people are looking at you and you're just afraid of social interactions because you're just, there's this, I'm just so anxious and I don't know why. Well, I want to challenge you today. Maybe it's because you are still trying to put an identity in who you are. Maybe it's that you are still trying to gain value from what people think about you and trying to put that, like, you know, one of my favorite pastors, Tim Keller, the guy who recently died, he had this beautiful thought where he said this. First sin that ever happened, Adam and Eve in the garden. They sin, the first thing that they realize is they're naked. Why? 
It's like, well, they were made to walk with God, to be covered by the love and presence of God, and their sin broke that covering. And so now, where they were made to be dependent, they're independent, and they're stuck with themselves, and they see how inadequate and broken they are. And so the first thing they do, they're married. They run to go put some, like, little leaves together and just hit a little whatever. That is the very thing you and I constantly are trying to do with the shame that we feel over who we know we really are internally. It's like we know we're broken. We know we're sinful. We're scared of people seeing us for who we really are. And so we try to go find these little fig leaves to sew together that can cover over our shame. And these are, again, the identities that we try to hold on to in life. It's like, I'm smart. I'm successful. I am of this race. I am of this political party. I'm whatever. And these are the things that we feel cover us, cover over our shame and give us this sense of value and belonging. But none of those things actually deal with the problem of our shame. I just, my shame, I'm going to cover it through constantly chasing after guys that I have no business having anything to do with, but I can't stop going after them because when they're around, I feel not worthless. I feel not exposed for who I really am. This plays out in so many different ways in our lives. But again, God seeing them in their shame, covered in their little leaves, he kills an animal, he takes the animal, turns it into clothes, puts it on them to cover over their their shame. Interestingly, when you look at who Jesus would end up coming and being, that Jesus was the lamb slain for our sin to cover over our shame, and the New Testament says this, We're clothed with Christ. The only thing that can cover over your insecurity today is knowing who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and what that means for your life. The forgiveness that has been brought over your life if you've put put your faith in Jesus today means God is committed to you. You are only in the love of God. Your life is going to be defined, not by your weakness, your performance, people's perceptions of you. Your life is going to be defined by the faithful love of God. There's such a freedom that comes when our hearts actually believe that and own that. When I'm no longer going into social settings, so aware of what somebody might be thinking about me and thinking, well, if I'm a weirdo or if I'm awkward or whatever, then that means this might not work out and then I'm not going to have friends and then I'm not going to have the kind of life that I want, the way that a lot of our minds could work. When I'm actually settled in the forgiveness of God and now what that means over my life, I can step into anything with so much freedom because I know my life is not in your hands or your hands. My peace doesn't come from you or you. I have the peace that I was made for because of the forgiveness that I've received in Jesus. I have the love that is so much better than anything you have to give me and my life isn't defined by what you think about me. You could withhold your you liking me, you could withhold opportunities from me, but none of that is going to stop the faithfulness of God coming about in my life. So I'm free to rest because I have what I need from the one whose love actually matters, and now I can just come to the world not needing you guys to be something for me. I can come with actually something to give because I'm full. That's what, when we actually have an identity that's secure in the forgiveness of God, when I realize I am a daughter, like, the solution to your thirstiness is actually believing that you're a daughter. If you actually believed what the love of God meant over your life, 
you wouldn't be so fast to try to run everywhere else but him. The solution to you constantly killing yourself in work and performance and trying to make everybody think that you're something and prove yourself to your family, prove yourself to your friends, the people who wouldn't believe in you, trying to put an identity of I'm going to make something with my life. It's like, yeah, that's not going to cover over the brokenness. That, those are fig leaves. They're not going to get the job done. The only thing that can solve that is when you realize that God has a plan for my life. His love defines me. As I trust in him and walk with him, sure, there's going to be battles, there's going to be trials, but he's going to lead me into what he made me for. And I could just be faithful to what's in front of me and not live this life of constantly striving. I've been forgiven by God, and he is committed to me. So what more could I need? And the, the last thing is this. It's actually when you realize what the forgiveness of God means over your life and the commitment now of God to you, that there's no wrath, there's no separation, there's just love. That silences every fear in your hearts. There's that verse, perfect love casts out all fear. All of the insecurities of our future, when we're just like, ah, how is that going to happen? And if this doesn't happen, like me and Em, we're about to have a baby in two months, and already there's like 9,000 things. Everything that could possibly go wrong in our life in the last like four months has gone wrong. And there have been bad moments where it's been like a battle of like, God, are you actually with us? And, you actually, and it's like, all right, no, God's proven himself. He loves us. Let's just trust him. Like, let's just take this one step at a time. And already we're just seeing the faithfulness of God and him blessing us and blessing us. The fear of not, the, the not being settled in the forgiveness of God makes you have doubt that he's still gonna hold out on you. That he still is not gonna be there by your side and working all things together for good. It's like maybe somehow I've still kind of disqualified myself and now I'm just left by myself in this crazy world of chaos and my life's gonna fall apart. When you're settled in what this forgiveness means for your life and the love of God over your life, you literally know God is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. There's not a single plot thread of your life where he's not gonna prove himself faithful. Like, did he really die on the cross and pour his life out and take eternal wrath so that he could have me live in his love so that I could just be left to be destroyed on my own? Like, no, he loves you. And when you actually see what the forgiveness of God means over your life and what that has secured for you, that you are a child of God, there is this peace and hope and joy and rest that comes in the middle of craziness happening around you. I was talking to a friend of mine today and um, they were saying they also had recently gotten pregnant. Life is crazy. If this was like six months ago, they would be freaking out. But they're like, God has like allowed these things to come together lately. And he's just so shown me, like, like he loves me. And because of that, like, I should, I feel like I should be freaking out right now, but I'm not because I just know, like, I know who he is. So the thing that I want to just challenge all of you with tonight, I'm going to wrap up now, is your faith stands on the love of God alone. If you don't see the love and forgiveness of God and what that means over your life, if you're allowing your own mistakes, the attacks of the enemy, the crazy circumstances around you to begin to start making you doubt and shake over whether, like, am I actually a child of God? Is God actually committed to me? The only thing that was separating you from him was your sin, and it's been completely dealt with. So now you have all of him. I hope that encourages you tonight. Whatever that is, you could hear that. But it's not just about hearing it. It's about 
squaring your heart up to that truth and trusting it. Trusting God for anything has to start with trusting him for the forgiveness that he's won for me and the love that that now means for my life, that that's secured for my life. If you're here and you have not put your faith in Jesus, not saying, do you believe in God? Do you go to church? Have you put your faith in Jesus and been born again? Are you, do you have the spirit of God living inside of you? Are you confident about that? If you're not, then this is a message of not me just saying, trust that you've already been forgiven. This is a message of me saying, there is forgiveness and love and transformation waiting for you. That you don't have to make yourself love God first and then he's gonna help you. He's saying, you don't love me, but I love you and that's all that matters. So just bring the fact that you don't love me to me and my love will transform you. That's the gospel for those of us who are here and we have not really met God and experienced this life. But if you're here and you're a believer and there is any storm, any battle that you're facing in your life, the anchor, the thing that we have to go back to and plant our flag on was, God made me, he loves me, he made me so that I could have all of him and he could have all of me. The thing that was blocking me was my sin and it is finished. It has been dealt with. I am in the love of God today. You have to trust that. If you don't trust that, you're not trusting the gospel and you're cutting yourself off from how God wants to meet you, how he wants to make himself real to you. He wants to make this truth so alive in your heart. He wants to like make this like foundation in your life that's gonna make you steadfast in it. So we all have to square up tonight and just say, God, I, in my heart, return that I don't deserve you I've disqualified myself from you, but you have done what you've done on the cross. I am so unworthy of this, but you love me. And now you have forgiven me. You define me. You are mine. And so can we all just close our eyes really quick? We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at sanctusnyc.